late eight, late seventies. Okay, Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight, but in the eighties. Thank you, Larry. How can you sing that song, You Gave Your Life to Give Me Mine Without Tears? What a great song. What a great worship band you have. I think you ought to give them a hand. The work that they put in and their talent and... uh, just great. It reminds me a lot of our worship team back home. And uh, guitars, drums, all of that. We, it's great. Um, I have met some beautiful people here. And I mean that sincerely. You have poured out your hearts to us. You've, you've just welcomed us so genuinely. Carol and I both. Uh, and it, 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 having said that, it makes me uh, a little bit confused because... Uh, as Carol and I were closing the door at uh, Larry and Charles this morning, you ever hear them sing a duet? I, I swear I heard them singing the song, Thank God and Greyhound They're Gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have poured their hearts out to us. We have enjoyed our time in their home. Uh, I know that... Uh, it's hard to have somebody in your home for nine days. And uh, thank you, Larry and Cheryl. Thank you for your hospitality. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for hard to describe what you did. Thank you for pouring out your life. Thank you for the humiliation for the scourging, the terrible, terrible scourging, the crown of thorns, the slaps in the face, the spitting in the face, and the hanging on a cross until life was gone. Thank you, God, that you love us that much. And Father, I pray that that those thoughts would permeate everything that we do, that it would never become old. And Father, for some that are here maybe this morning, that are just investigating this cause. I pray, Father, that you anoint me and speak through me powerfully a message that would bring you glory and bring your son glory. Father, hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind your son. Let him be seen. Let his love and devotion be seen. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you feel inadequate? We all are, aren't we? That's the classes I've been teaching this week. I've been excited about teaching those classes because I know we have potential. We have great potential, each one of us. 
And that potential comes through the power of prayer. We talked about that in the class this morning. The power of prayer. If we're not praying, we're working in our own strength. I'm going to talk to you this morning. I've entitled the message, The Power Behind the Big Fisherman. Who is the big fisherman? That's me. <laughs> no. At times it is. But uh, I'm talking about Peter, the big fisherman. Jesus said to Peter and the disciples, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I believe that the same power that motivated Peter can motivate every one of us. Can do mighty things through us. Things that we don't even understand. I believe that unknown to us at the time, God is preparing us many times for what He wants us to do. God sees into the future even more than we do. I shared with you in my message last week that uh, when I went to work for the trucking company and I had been there months before that looking for a work and they said, no, we don't need anyone. And when I went back the next time, they said, my, my welder moved to Montana. I need a welder. And that job opened up. What a blessing it was because that family loved me and poured such a blessing on my ministry financially and with encouragement and letters of encouragement. Tremendous things. And so I know that God in the, could look and say, I'm going to move that, I'm going to move that welder to Montana because this guy needs a job. I, I don't know. That, but I think those kind of things happen. But I believe that God... God looks at us and he sees us and sees the potential. The Apostle Paul had no idea how God was going to use him. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the highest rabbis in the land. He knew this Old Testament from one end to the other. But he could not, in that, he could not see that it pertained to Jesus Christ, the Messiah who will come someday and establish God's kingdom here on this earth. He fought it tooth and nail. Fought it tooth and nail. And one of the verses that I have had here, Paul said this in Acts 24, 14, and 15. He said, I believe everything that's written in the law and that's written in the prophets. Meaning, I believe what Moses wrote the five books of law. And I believe everything that the prophets wrote. I have a hope in God that these men cherished. That certainly, there will be a resurrection of the, of the righteous and the wicked. Where did he get that? Someday, he believed that, but until he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he couldn't put it all together. Somehow it... It didn't make sense. And I believe the thing that changed Paul's life, and we're going to talk about Peter as well, I think the thing that changed his life more than anything else, along with the filling of the Spirit, is his, his brokenness over his life. His brokenness. He calls himself the chief of sinners in Scripture. The chief of sinners. He says when the, when the church... The Christians were being put to death. I cast my vote against them. I brought them back in chains, locked up, because I was going to stamp out the name of this man, Jesus. I don't believe he ever forgot it. 
I believe he, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And he met the Lord Jesus Christ and it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he began, began a one-man, he was a one-man army for Christ. There in Damascus, shortly after he met Christ, he was trying to prove them that, that this Jesus is the Christ. And he so upset the, the Jewish community that they put him in a basket and lowered him down over the wall of the city and said, run, Paul, run! And run he did. And run he did. He crisscrossed the country like a wounded... He left a trail like a, like a wounded rabbit. Nothing but a trail of blood. A trail of blood. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. I was beaten with rods three times. They stoned me in Lystra and left me for dead. A night and a day, he said, I spent in the deep. A night and a day. On a shipwreck, a, a ship that had wrecked. A night and a day, God's man floated on the water, hanging onto a piece of board, clinging to life. He saw the sun go down. And the sun come up. And the sun go down again. A night and a day I spent in the deep. God's man. I had to kill him to make him quit. Oh, I love Paul. I was preaching on Paul in the Blanchard Church. And I, as a result of preaching on Paul, I work at the Wildlife Gallery with a man, young man about 22 or 23 years old. His name is Paul. His mother was pregnant with him when I was preaching on Paul. And she said, I'm going to name him Paul. And he tells me that quite often. You know why I'm called Paul, don't you? My mom told me why. I want to look at Peter today, the big fisherman. Christ called him still smelling like fish. He was the fisherman. The Bible tells us that he was untrained and uneducated. Untrained and uneducated. But he knew God, God helped him know Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Well, they said, some think you're Jeremiah or Elijah, one of the prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, thou art Petros. It's nice in the Greek. We say Peter. You are Petros, and upon this Petra, this rock, I will build my church. He followed Christ around for three and a half years, not knowing the magnitude of what he would do for Christ someday. You see, I believe a major part of Peter's strength, like mine and like yours, is in our failures. It's in our failures. Jesus said, all of you will fall away because of me this night. Peter said, not me. Even if I have to die with you, I will not fall away. Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, you will have already denied me three times. 
And he did. Standing by a charcoal fire, warming himself, they accused him of knowing this man Jesus. And he said, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And the servant girl came by and said, you're a Galilean. You, you, certainly you're one of those that were with him. And Peter cursed and swore, it said. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this so and so. And in Luke's gospel it said, Jesus looked at him. Jesus, when he said, I do not know the man, and he cursed and he swore, Jesus looked at him. Peter had to be dragging that around for a long time. Not until brokenness comes into our life can God use us. I believe that sincerely. It was Jesus on the cross that completely broke his heart. It was the failure of saying, I don't know this guy, and walking around for three days, kicking in the dirt, kicking himself, thinking, why couldn't I have stood up for him? I've been with him for three years. He did nothing but love me and help me, and I turned my back on him. I said the other night, I'm going to tell you two words that changed his life. Two little words. You say them all the time. The word then and the word and. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. I've got a circle around that word. He appeared to Peter and then he turned to... He, 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 he went to Peter and then to the twelve. I believe Jesus said, Jesus said, I've got to get my arm around Pete. He's hurting. I've got to get my arm around that guy and tell him it's okay. I told him he'd fail. Because that was before I hung on that cross and he had nothing to be loyal to at that time. The other word is and. The two Marys went to the tomb. They looked in and saw a young man with white, with white sitting to the right. By the way, I've been in that tomb and I'm going to be in it again in March. They left there and Jesus appeared to them, said, go tell Peter and go, go tell the disciples and Peter. Circle it in your Bible, Mark 16. I think it's verse 7. Go tell Peter, the disciples, and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Make sure Pete gets the message. Make sure Pete gets the message. You know, when they got to Galilee, I was telling Larry the other day, I said, I found something. I came out of the, my bedroom and I said, I found something as I looked over this message that I hadn't seen before. I had something marked in my Bible and I turned to it. And uh, Peter was, Peter was, Jesus had said to them, throw your net on the other side of the boat. They weren't catching any fish, fished all night. Peter said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. They had such a catch, they, they couldn't hardly contain it. But Peter took his, he was, because he was, he said he was, had 
undressed and he was naked probably from the waist up and, and he jumped in the water. But he went to shore. The other disciples came in later. When he got to shore, Jesus is cooking fish over a charcoal fire. You know the last time that, that Jesus and Peter were together at a charcoal fire? It's when Peter said, I don't know this guy. That had to, that had to be crushing. Standing at a charcoal fire, remembering the last charcoal fire and saying, I don't know this guy. And Jesus put his arm around him and said, Pete, do you love me? Well, you know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Hey, Pete, do you love me? He said it three times, I believe, standing at a charcoal fire to remind him of the last charcoal fire. Do you love me, Pete? Lord, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. You know what changed Peter's life? Brokenness. Brokenness. Folks, if we don't come to brokenness, our heart is not the heart that God wants us to have. Come to brokenness. And then to find the unconditional love. I don't care what your past is. When you come to me, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to serve you, Jesus says, out of love and loyalty. But I expect it to come back the other way. That you serve me out of love and loyalty also. Brokenness. I shared in the Sunday school class this morning one of my very favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 7.10, where Paul says, the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. Powerful verse of Scripture. The sorrow, the sorrow that, the godly sorrow, the genuine sorrow, the sorrow that God is pleased with in our lives, the looking back at our failures, produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. I don't think, folks, we need to dwell on that, but I think we need to glance back once in a while. I honestly do. I look back at where my life used to be and it makes me appreciate what God has given me. In Isaiah chapter 51, in the first verse, it says, never forget the pit from which you were dug. Never forget the pit that God pulled you out of. It was the brokenness and then it was the life-changing forgiveness. Life-changing. And Jesus said to Peter, go make disciples. Never occurred to him not to go. Never occurred to him not to go. He became that rock. He had followed Jesus around. He knew the message. That's the other thing. 
He was strengthened because of his brokenness, because of the love of Jesus. He knew the message. He became that mighty, mighty mouthpiece for God. He followed Jesus around for those, for those three years and that 40 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. He heard Jesus go from one city and village to another preaching the gospel of the coming kingdom. He was sent out by Jesus to preach that same gospel of the kingdom and to heal all manners of disease. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, Jesus gathered them together, all these disciples, for a period of 40 days, teaching them the things concerning the kingdom of God. I believe Jesus said this, guys, I'm not going to be here. I'm, I'm going to be with the Father. You've got to get this right. 40 days of teaching from Jesus. And they said to him, is this the time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Peter knew the message. He knew the message, but I think the most important thing with Peter is that he had lived and seen this man that he had grown to love suffer on the cross and die. And the thing that changed Peter besides that was praying down power, and that's what I encourage you to do. Pray down power. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 24, wait in the city until you've received a power from on high. Wait. Don't go out and try to do it on your own. Wait in the city. When he met with them, after his crucifixion and after his rising from the dead, he gathered them together for that period of 40 days. And he told them, he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Judah, Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the world. Peter was that witness. If I could only have one chapter in my Bible, it would be Acts chapter 2. If I had to tear something out of here and keep it, that's what it would be. Peter's first message. Peter said, Men of Galilee, listen. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders, just as you selves know, was put to death by the hands of godless men. And God raised him up again. He's preaching to the same people that had said, crucify him. That's bold preaching. That's bold preaching. Crucify him. Peter proved to them from Scripture that Jesus would not rot in the grave. His Holy One would not undergo decay. But God raised him up again and he proved to them that David wasn't talking about himself when he said that. David looked ahead and talked about Christ who would not rot in the grave. And they, he convicted them that they had nailed the Son of God to the cross. They said, brethren, what can we do? What shall we do? He gave them this instruction, repent. Repent. They were pierced to the heart, it says. They were broken. We have to come to brokenness or it's not real. They were broken. They were pierced to the heart. Peter said, repent. Let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
untrained and uneducated. And 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. In Acts chapter 3, he walked by the temple and a man was sitting there, lame from his mother's womb. The Bible said he was lame for 40 years. Begging alms. Jesus said, I don't have any money. But what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Took him by the hand, healed him. He went walking and leaping and praising God and it drew a crowd. And Peter began to preach and said, he was nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men in your ignorance. And he was preaching that sermon. You ever had a sermon interrupted? Peter had that sermon interrupted. In Acts chapter 404 and verse 1, it says that they came and they interrupted him. While he was still speaking, it says, the, the chief priests and the Sadducees gathered around and grabbed he and John and locked them in jail for preaching. Now, I've had people walk out when I've been preaching. Get back in here, Larry. Mark. While he was still speaking, the chief priest and all of high priestly descent, Caiaphas and Annas and all these, a group of about 70 probably, they were the Sanhedrin, grabbed him and threw him in jail. The next morning they got him out and stood them before this council. Two to 70. That's intimidation. That's looking down the barrel of intimidation. And they said, by whose name or by whose authority did you heal this man? Now, I'm not as godly as Peter. Peter said this in 1 Peter. He said, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to those who ask you to give an account for the hope that's in you, but yet with gentleness and reverence. There's a time to be gentle and there's a time to be bold. Peter was bold. He's standing before the man, Caiaphas, that instigated the death of Jesus Christ. It was Caiaphas that said it's better to kill one guy than for all the nation to suffer. This man can put Peter on a cross. Peter said, look, you stiff-necked, stupid so-and-so. No, that's what I'd have said. That's what Dick would have said. And Peter might have said something similar. He said, if I'm on trial today for a good deed done to a sick man, you stupid bunch of people, with your phylactery and your high hat and your robe and your garb and your cold heart, I'm on trial for doing a good deed to a sick man. Well, let it be known for certain that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, that'll get you in trouble. That's powerful. That's a man that doesn't back down. That's a man I want my life to be like his. I hope we all want that. I believe the church in America is asleep today. I believe the church in the world is asleep today. I believe we need to be people that have the boldness to stand every day for Christ. To strive to the very best of our ability to, have, to be able to teach this message that Jesus taught. 
But I'm coming someday and I'm going to grant eternal life to those that love me. I love Peter. You know why I love Peter so much? I'm a failure too. I failed for so many years. At age 39, I went to the Bible college. I won't tell you much about those first 39 years. I'm ashamed of them. But I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want you to love him too. I know you do. I just want you to love him deeper. The thing that changed me more than anything else was to get on my knees in my welding shop and pray for two things, and I've shared that with you. God, help me to love you more every day. And fill me with your spirit. It's life-changing. Folks, I believe, I'm excited about your church. I really am. I, I just have met some beautiful, wonderful people here, some servants of God. And I wish the very best for you. And I'm going to be watching to see what you do. I believe God is going to do a magnificent work through, not particularly through the right pastor, but through you yourselves. I really believe that. You are the key. You are the key. Be like Peter. You know, it says of Peter that they met together in an upper room. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. 13 and 14. 120 people. And they prayed with one mind. One mind. How do you do that? You have to be focused on the, on the mission that Jesus gave. You can't deviate from it. We've got to take this gospel message of the coming kingdom to the world when Jesus the Christ, not Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the one who God has anointed to rule the world someday and grant eternal life to those who love him and are willing to serve him. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak my heart. And Father, I, I, I pray that you're pleased with that. Father, I exalt the man Peter. I don't want to exalt him above your son at any time, but he was a man sold out. He's a man that said, crucify me upside down. I'm not even worthy to die the same just death that Jesus died. Father, help us to be that kind of people, so totally committed that we are willing to die. Father, I believe you're discouraged when you look at the church that claims the blood of Jesus and oftentimes see the apathy. I believe, your, I believe your heart breaks for that. I know Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Father, help us to be, help us to be that people that make loving and serving Jesus Christ the center of our lives. It's in his name I pray. Amen.